Hey, this is Rich Wilkerson. I'm the pastor of VU Church in Miami, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. This is awesome. First of all, thank you for coming. And I mean, you could be at the beach right now. Um, this is a better option for sure. But it's, it's an honor to be talking about this. And I just love VU Conference. Anybody here for the first time at VU? Wow. Nice. Amazing. Now, this is really special. I think our, our hope is obviously to talk about whatever Jason has on his mind. I'm going to flip this interview the whole time because if That's anybody fair. knows about <laughs> reaching people in culture, I think it's Jason. But then we're going to um, just go live mic, throw it to y'all, any question under the sun. And I think that would be really cool. I yeah. think it's a good plan. Good plan. You guys cool with that? My parents made it. You okay? Need a water IV drip? We need to give the Kennedys a huge round of applause. We love you dearly. Jason Kennedy's parents, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, I'll just kind of ask a couple of things. And, and then like Carl was saying, we'll throw it out to you guys because you always have much better questions than I do. And I was caught uh, and I've been thinking about it ever since Rich said it yesterday that Christianity or the church has a, a kind of a PR crisis in the sense that there's some things that we can do to make that better, to be more real, normal, fit in, uh, for lack of a better term. And how do we kind of change that, in your opinion? That's a good question. You have a future in this. I Thank think, you very already. much. No, I think, who in here would say you're pretty passionate about seeing people that don't know Jesus get to know him? I think the, the term, we start talking about PR, I think it's true that we do have a PR problem because we have the best product in the world. And when I say product, I mean, we have the good news, which there's never been anything close to as attractive as um, anything to do with Jesus, who he is, what he can do in somebody's life. So I, I look at it as a, a, like a threefold thing. Number one, we got to be aware that there is a problem. And I think that's a big deal because when you go into trying to share your faith or reach people, we got to be aware that there's been some bad marketing that has preceded us. And sometimes if you know that going in, it gives you a little bit of empathy, gives you a little bit of, of wisdom. But secondly, I see it as a total blessing. Like if we have a bad PR problem, um, well, we know the truth. So that means, okay, if you've had a couple bad experiences, just wait till somebody comes across me because I'm going to give you the best one. And I'm going to give you a whole new look and a whole new spin on what this can be. And I always use the analogy of eating. Like if, if, if 20 people got food poisoning at a restaurant, they're not going to stop eating. They're definitely going to hate that one restaurant, but they have to eat again at some point. So the fact that there's been bad church, weird Christians, legalistic people, bad PR to me, I'm like, cool. Um, our restaurant is wide open. You have to eat at some point. And if you could just trust me for one more meal, I promise you what happened over there is not going to happen here. So whenever I talk to somebody who's had a bad experience, I'm always like, I get that. I understand that. I validate that your experience, what you went through, because everybody has a bad church story. I don't know if y'all ever, I mean, rarely do I meet people that don't have some sort of backlog of awful church services they've been to, weird preachers they've seen on TV, miracle, you know, water that they bought that didn't work. <laughs> and so I kind of use that as an advantage to say, I get that, but let me just tell you the truth of what I know. And I think the power of our testimony in those moments is the difference between life and death for many people. So I see it as a blessing, and I think that's our opportunity in cities to say, hey, we get it. There's been bad church. There's been weird PR, but it's a new day. Eternity is real. 
How long will you let what happen dictate what can happen? Can you give me a moment? Talk about who Jesus is. So, yeah. That was good. <laughs> it, was, it was a long answer. <laughs> Should you just preach? I mean, I don't need no, to do anything. No, no. I, we need more applause. I just saw, you know, Mike Todd, he literally gets up and the, in every, the room erupts. I'm like, where have I been my whole life? I need that anointing. <laughs> Lord have mercy. How good was that last session, by the way? It was good, right? <laughs> what so, about you? I mean, because, and he, Jason has no idea I'm going to do this. He thinks he's going to sit up here and interview it's me. It's not a Q&A. I'm asking you questions. No, this is a and q <laughs> No one's leaving here with answers. Um, but you, you have done what, I don't know any other, I was talking to Judah about it. I don't know anybody who, you're, you're like a real famous person. You're like a real celebrity. I'm on this basic cable, but thanks. You stop it. Um, but rarely do you have somebody who's as entrenched as you are in Hollywood that has a reputation that is spotless, that has people who will not trust anybody else, but they trust you. How have you been a man of God, love Jesus passionately, um, committed to your marriage, and yet you remain in Hollywood, not a, a bar of who you are has changed, yet you've changed so many lives. What do you say to somebody who goes, I got to I'm, I'm going to steer away from stuff like that because I don't know if I can keep my faith. You have done it, and you have done it well, better than anybody I've ever known for a very long time. Thanks, man. So firstly, um, shout out to you for being a legend. Thanks, buddy. But what would you say to people? Because I know there's people in here that would have dreams and aspirations, but it can be a little bit daunting. Like, what happens if I do, you know, get into producing movies? What if I do end up hosting a talk show? Like, how, how do I keep my faith? How do you do it? I think it was tough in the beginning. I mean, the first year in LA, I didn't really like it because I didn't have any good friends and I didn't have any community. So second year, I've been out there 15 years now. So second, third, fourth year, um, I was jumping around church to church and, you know, meeting friends here and there. But um, we kind of hit this point where I'm like, I need just better community. So uh, Judah Smith, who's who's preaching tonight, one of our buddies, um, he... I didn't even really know him well. Like Rich was like, have you seen this guy preach? We were watching YouTube videos and um, we were just kind of blown away. And then his father had passed away and I sent Judah a DM and I'm like, hey man, so sorry about your father. Been praying for you, looking forward to meeting you one day. And then long story short or longer, um, he we just kind of connected at an event and he, we started this Bible study in my living room and there was, I don't know, 10 or 11 people there uh, there are couples, some people in the entertainment industry, some people were not, and that was fine. And it kept growing. We hit a hundred and like twenty-five people in my living room. People were getting parking tickets. Um, it was it started getting out of control in the best possible way. Um, so we moved it to a hotel, and then we moved it to a ballroom, and now we're in a theater where we meet every Wednesday. And Judah's like living essentially in LA with his family and going back and forth to uh, city or church home in, in Seattle. And um, that community was essential for me. So I always get like the same question or DM on Instagram over and over. How are you a Christian in Hollywood? I'm like, how are you a Christian in Roanoke? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Shout out to Roanoke, Virginia. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I did that for you. <laughs> um, so it, I think it's, it can, you can make it as, if you want it to be hard, you can make it hard. If you want it to be easier, it can be, but it's always better with people um, that you surround yourself with accountability, honesty with them. Uh, my parents did a fantastic job going back to um, what makes faith attractive, which is the title. Um, 
Which is why we're talking about you, because you make it attractive. <laughs> Thank you, which is why you're the featured person to be speaking on this panel. <laughs> but um, I remember, like, I, I want to talk about the things that work and don't work when you are sharing your faith and just digging into maybe the things that don't work more than the things that do, <laughs> you, wherever you want to take it. But um, my mom was really good at it, both my parents. Uh, I grew up where, like, we would go to... Um, let's say we would valet our car somewhere at a restaurant and mom would like blast Sandy Patty when she pulled up in her big van and she's like, who knows? Maybe they're not a Christian and we're going to get Sandy planned because they're going to walk in and it's going to be game over. Um, so that, but it's, I mean, they, they were, you were, you did, it was amazing. Um, sometimes years down the road, um, that may not work. Um, there are other ways to do it, and um, I'm curious on what you've been successful at when it comes to that. Because when I went to L when I went to New York and saw even before Hillsong started, um, you primarily are out on the basketball court. You were the guys that they don't know anything about Jesus, and uh, you've done an incredible job at it. So what 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 hasn't worked and kind of get into that? This is a great question. I, I can't wait to hear from y'all on this because I'm, I'm legitimately can't wait to hear what questions you might have because the, the answers or maybe you getting some wisdom in here could lead to somebody getting saved. So we do not play when it comes to honestly throwing out the mic to you guys because if you're here, it means you care about reaching people, which is spectacular. But I think one of the, the biggest things is to make sure you're confident in your faith. Like that has to be paramount. If you're in here right now and you want to reach people, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff you can do. I think that helps enhance what you know. But do you really believe today that Jesus Christ is the answer to everything this culture needs? If you believe that, then we got to be able to see it in our lives, firstly. But why would we not share that? That's sometimes where I get freaked out as a pastor, because when we even have an evangelism department, I'm going, why is sharing our faith the only thing we make in like this weird Christian silo, as if it's an event? That's our first problem. We treat sharing our faith like it's a missions trip or it's like something we have to rally around to do when this should be what we breathe. Like if you have been cured from cancer and you walk into a cancer ward, wouldn't, wouldn't you think we would, I mean, literally on the tip of our tongues, be like, who would love to hear about the cure? Anybody? Of course we would. Yet we come to conferences like this. We get our faith filled to the overflow and then we go back into our worlds and we're a little bit hesitant. I think there is a new wave rising up of Christians that are so confident in who Jesus is and actually trained in how to do it in loving ways that I believe we'll see a revival like the world has never known. And, but it starts with us really saying, if we really believe, if people die without Jesus, do we really believe there is an eternity that awaits them that is in question? If we believe that, um, I don't care how shy you are, how little Bible you know, how many case for faith, case for Christ, case for voo, whatever those books are, I don't care how much you know or don't know, I do think that passion is what God uses. I, I have made more mistakes sharing my faith than I have um, said right things. I look back on some of the things I've said to people that, ha that have impacted them, and I'm laughing inside going, that's not even correct. I can't believe I just said that, but apparently... <laughs> God loves people more than my good or bad little statement I have to build a bridge. So I think um, God's just desperate to find people who are willing to look stupid sometimes and, and step out, and maybe be rejected a lot. Like, I don't know if I've done a good job as a preacher sharing about the, the 10 to 1 ratio of getting rejected. Because we often talk about the times people do get saved, but there are many times where I will give um, a loving word, an invitation, whatever, 
and won't see the fruit of it for years. Sometimes I'm still waiting on those to come through, but I'm dedicating myself to saying, Lord, I don't care. Um, Maybe this phrase will help you. Do you care what part of the chain you are when it comes to seeing people get saved? Because often I've been the very non-spectacular part. We all want to be the one who's sitting there holding somebody's hand when they get saved. I just don't know if that's reality. I think that maybe the word of encouragement that you sow or maybe the faithful friendship that you embody um, can build some momentum that hopefully somebody else closes the deal down the road. But I am not concerned about what part I play. I just want you know play a part. Make sense? Long answer. Yeah. I, this past Tuesday, we went to um, in LA Hillsong United. They were at Staples Center, and I brought one of my buddies who grew up Catholic and you know didn't know much about like the church or anything like that. The, the Christian church, I guess, if you will, um, pretty formal uh, Catholic church. His parents go like four or five times a week. I didn't even know that was a thing, which is really phenomenal. Um, but anyway, I just I did it. I, it was so simple. I was just like, hey. You want to go to the Staples Center? My buddies are playing tonight, and I didn't tell him anything beyond that. <laughs> so he came, and the whole time he's like, "Wow!" And he just kept looking around. He's like, "These songs are amazing. Wow, the energy in here is crazy. These people are so into it." That that ride home, I'm like, "You like it? Yeah, really cool, man. That was phenomenal." Next day, less than 24 hours later, screen grabbed like some of the song names and he goes been playing them all day it's not that hard like right. it just was that right. you know yeah i didn't I mean, have we, to make it awkward and be yeah. like so yeah. on the drive home awkward question um how you feeling about what we just saw right right, right. <laughs> not our job right yeah i think we forget how how much people are hurting I think we forget how desperate people are. We can buy the lie of culture that life is good. Nobody wants to hear about Jesus anymore and, and all that stuff. And I think sometimes it will soften our voice. And I think we can't, we can't subscribe to that any longer. Um, before we throw it out to you guys, there was a question about um, kind of engaging more with culture. Mm. Do you have any thoughts about that as a leader or how we all can do that. I think at this stage of my life, I'm the wrong guy to ask because I've got teenage daughters. (laughs) So I'm just busy finding ways to teach them how to stay in the house. I've never never been more interested in being an Amish. um, (laughs) You know, like, uh, I I think um, this is really helpful. When people ask me about reaching people with their faith, they normally want things to do, but I found that one of the the two biggest keys I know of are two things, giving stuff away and listening. Neither of those two things have anything to do with what you're actually saying. And people are like, that's great, but I want to know, like, what do you say to really get into somebody's soul? You know, what what do you say to close the deal? And I often tell people, I don't know if it's about what we say. I think it's about being available and being present. So when they have something to say, they're talking to the same person. And the problem with modern day Christianity is we don't want that. We want nothing to do with giving stuff away and we want nothing to do with listening. Yet these are the two things that Jesus primarily spent his entire life doing, sitting, listening. Even though he knew every answer, he knew everything somebody was going through, he still would sit there and be like, what are you going through? How are your relationships? He sat at a well for a very long time when he knew full well what this woman had been through. And I think that little moment, if you wanted to go home and read something that will inspire you, read about Jesus sitting at that well with that woman. And it blows my mind that Jesus is asking questions that he absolutely already knew the answers to. 
And, and if Jesus can do that, who are we to sit there and think that we're going to be so busy telling people what they need to do differently? And sometimes I will listen and then from there formulate what I'm going to do. And I'm like you, like I use many different tactics to get people in church. Like no matter where, if they're construction builders, I'm like, yeah, we got a construction site <laughs> on Sunday. And if they're into music, I'm like, you like music? I like music. We, I, I go to this place. You know, a couple times on a Sunday, there's great music. Um, no matter what it is, I'm trying to figure out how many ways can I link what Jesus has done in my life to who they are. Because nobody is as far as they think they are from God. That's what you start to find out when you are, you know, in these cities like New York, Miami, wherever you're from. Um, people think that they're far. And that's ultimately why they're just used to everybody pushing back. Like in New York, there's a lot of Jewish people. And sometimes they'll say, I'll say, hey, you want to come to church? Oh, I'm Jewish. And I go, so is Jesus. Like, next question. <laughs> Like, they're so used to, I've had a lot of Jewish friends of mine get saved who say, normally, I would just tell people I'm Jewish. They'd leave me alone forever. <laughs> you were the first person that ever had a follow-up question to that, because I'm always like, Dan, I'm Jewish. I'm like, I'm Carl. Like, good, good talking to you. Like, we're all somebody. Do you know Jesus? Like, is your soul secure? And I think that that, that ability for us to be able to listen is more important than actually what we're saying. So, yeah, it's, just, it's worked for me over the years, for sure. That and giving away money. Um, I like your necklace. <laughs> thank you. Um, <laughs> it, get, it gets people in the church. You know, there's a, I'm just kidding. It doesn't, there's nothing significant about it. I actually think this is my daughter's. I grabbed the wrong one before I left, but I'm just rocking it. Um, no, I, I, I honestly think that when it comes to sharing our faith, we've made it a harder thing than it is. And I think it's important to be proficient. I think there are some good books to read. And um, I, my thing is I try to know as much I as I can about a person or their faith as I, you know, get to reach them. So if I find out somebody has been a Muslim their whole life, um, I will immediately ask to go to what, whatever they go to. What time is your service? Teach me about what you know. I really enjoy hearing about that before I ever say a word. And normally you're disarming people and they don't even know why they're, they're automatically dropping guards because no one's ever asked them about that before. Like my favorite thing is dealing with atheists. In New York City right now, there's like a cool rush of, you know, people wanting to be atheists. And I, I have the same line that typically does work. If someone says, I'm an atheist, I'm always like, I, I want to be an atheist so bad. Like the whole Jesus thing, it's actually hard to do. It makes your life very difficult. I have been waiting for somebody to tell me how I can believe that I come from nothing, I'm here for nothing, and I'm headed to nothing, and I get to do whatever I want. So I said this to a friend, and I'm not just saying that um, it, this really happened. I'm like, man, I, can you please prove to me today that I came from nothing? Because you just said you're an atheist, that I, I came from nothing, I'm headed to nothing, and I don't get to believe in anything. Like, I've been waiting to believe that my whole life. So where do we go? What's next for us? Is there a book we read? Well, we don't actually have a book. Okay, is, is there any like, proof of this? Is there any, because I got I to gotta have something to stand on. Like, is there a church we go to? Is there like a community that can gather around us like to teach us how to be nothing and go to nothing? <laughs> and he had so little to say. And I didn't do it in a demeaning, patronizing way. I was dead serious. I was like, if you can prove to me right now that you're right and I'm wrong, I cannot wait to drop this cross because it is heavy. I don't have to go to any more conferences. I don't, have to be, I don't have to be kind to any more trolls. Um, like, I can just do what I want. And I, there have been some moments where it's led to some breakthrough because you ask people, tell me what you believe and why. Before you start picking mine apart, let me hear what you got. And that, that's a really interesting conversation to have. But I do think listening is the, the new wave of evangelism. What if they shut you down immediately, but you feel like you're still 
called to talk to him or want to and don't want to, it's a good friend of yours. Like, is it, I mean, if you really want to break it down, is like you check in like every week or like every month or what's the best way to, uh, uh, you don't want to overdo it though. You want to be like, hey, so where do you stand in your faith now? You know, like you do, there, there's a way to do it, right? Or no? Yeah, I think, I think every situation is different. Um, but by and large, I'm laughing because I had a friend, when I first got saved, I was like a raging evangelist, not because I cared about people, but because I was like, if I can't party, nobody can. If I can't do that stuff, everybody's living clean. And I could normally just talk people, over talk people, or just be louder than somebody. But there were a few people who just wanted no piece of what I was saying. One of my best friends was actually like, Carl, you know, I know who you are. I've been one of your best friends since we were in middle school. Like, I know what you do. You go through phases and you, you know, you like some things and then you won't like them down the road. And I was like, I know who you are. It's a matter of time before this thing wears off too. So quit asking me about church. Don't tell me about Jesus. I'm never going to believe it. I'm not some intellectually weak person that needs some kind of a crutch. He went off and he's like, I'm sick of you talking to me about it. So just don't do it again. I'm like, cool. I'll try other things. And every time you get in, I have like Kirk Franklin or something, you know, and, and at one, at one point he's like, I know what you're doing. Like, this is, you know, you're playing church music every time I get in here. Like, I will not ride with you again, or I would try to, anything I would do, he would link it back to this. And I talked to a friend about it. I just said, man, I'm having trouble reaching my friend. I've tried everything. And my friend said, have you tried praying for him? And I was like, hmm, I've been too busy doing it myself. And I actually, he said, if you spend as much time um, strategizing prayer as you are trying to get your friend saved, I'd be interested to see what happened. And that taught me that day, I remember um, giving that to God and just starting to pray for people more than I thought about them negatively. Pray for people more than I thought about how I could get them into church or share my faith. And over the years, I've seen a lot of, a lot of people you know, get saved through that. And that particular friend, eight years later, came to my office one night and uh, he knocked on the door. He's like, hey, you got a minute? And I'm like, uh, no, I'm preparing a sermon. You know, don't have thumb talk. I was kidding. I really, really was writing a sermon at the time. And he goes, listen, I've been watching you for, for a while now, and I think this Jesus thing is legit, and I appreciate you not saying anything about it. It's been a long time. I thought you gave up on me, um, but then I remembered I asked you not to say anything about it, and he's like, can you, can you tell me about Jesus, what he's done in your life? Because apparently this is real. This is not a fad, and uh, it was one of the best moments of my life, but I gave that up to the Lord. I said, look, this is the way it's going to be. I'm going to give this to you and believe that you're going to do what only you can do. And I think that parallel of passion and prayer is the way we win our world. Passion's going to get it done a lot, but sometimes that prayer, it, it, it puts your heart at peace to let you know you're not the Messiah. You're not the one who's going to save anybody's soul. You have the right to do what you can and give it to God. It's a freer place to reach people from. It's beautiful. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with friends. It helps so much. For more content from VU and to connect with us, go to vuchurch.com. We love you. The best is yet to come.